I want you to open your Bible this morning to Luke chapter 17. You know, we've been speaking these uh, Sunday mornings on Jesus is truth. And we're going to continue that uh, this morning as we talk about Jesus is truth, about giving glory to God. You know, we're living in a world full of lies and deception. It's unbelievable. And the reason that's true is because the prince of this world, with a little p, the devil is a liar. And he's the father of lies. There's no truth in him. When the devil speaks, he speaks a lie. But we've got good news this morning. Praise God, Jesus is the truth. Hallelujah. He doesn't have the truth. He is the truth. John 1 says he was full of grace and truth. I love John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, I am the what? Truth and the life. You know, there's a great story. As we look at the words of Jesus about glorifying God. And Jesus asked some really stirring questions. So let's look at John, Luke 17, verses 9 through 11. And I'm, I'm just, they're on the screen, but I'm just going to comment on these as we go along because there's just so much truth in all that goes on in this encounter of Jesus with the 10 lepers. Okay, verse 11. Now it happened that he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the middle of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there were 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. Do you realize that a leper had to be so many feet from any other person who did not have leprosy? They could not get close to other people, not even their own family. They had leper colonies where the lepers lived. But when it said here they stood afar off, that was the law of the land. They could not get around people who did not have leprosy. And it says, and, and they stood afar off, verse 13, and they lifted their voices and said, they cried out, all 10 of them. You know, I don't know if they knew that Jesus was coming that way. Obviously, they had heard of Jesus. Obviously, he knew of the miracles of healing that he had performed because of what they said. They lifted up their voice with one accord and said, Jesus Master, oh, not Jesus, just another man. There were many people named Jesus during that day. Jesus was always identified as Jesus of Nazareth. But these men realized, hey, he's more than that. He's master. I wonder how they came to that understanding. Evidently, somebody had planted some seed in their heart along the way. Jesus Master, have mercy on us. You know, they needed mercy, y'all. 
Their lives had been radically changed. One day they looked and noticed a white spot on their hand or arm. And then they realized that couldn't be leprosy. But then it began to progress over their body. They had to leave the family. They had to leave their neighborhood. They had to go isolate them with other lepers. You know, well, they needed mercy. Oh, they needed mercy. You know, they never were going to be any different. They were never going to be changed unless Jesus did something for them. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And, and, And when he saw them, he said to them, Notice now, hear the words of Jesus. Go show yourselves to the priest. And he said, that's an unusual thing for him to say. You see, the only one that could declare a leper healed, the only one that could declare a leper cleansed was the priest. He was the only one that could do it. I read over in the Old Testament all that a leper went through in the Old Testament when he went to the priest to get declared clean. Man, he went, he had to be examined. They had to watch him for days. Then they offered sacrifices. Then he brought sacrifices. It was amazing what a leopard. But after a certain time, when all the conditions had been met, they declared, you're clean. And so when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, don't you know they they, um, said, uh, why are we going to do that? All he's going to do is tell us that we're unclean. All he's going to do is confirm our leprosy. Why, why should we go to the priest? You know, they did not understand all that Jesus meant when he told them to go to the priest. But they did know that only the priest could declare them healed and clean. And the Lord spoke to me and said, listen, they did not have to understand all that was involved when Jesus said to them, go, go show yourself to the priest. Because when he told them that, they were not healed. They were lepers. You know, sometimes Jesus will tell us to do something, and it may seem small. It may seem insignificant. We may not understand why, and we don't know where is this leading. But you know, it is only as they went only as they obeyed the first thing Jesus told them to do, only as they took that first step of obedience did the power of God really begin to move in their lives. And as they went on their way, the Bible says they were cleansed. Let me go back and just read that verse. It says, and when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, They were acting on the light they had. They were cleansed. You know, um, I don't know how they responded (laughs) when they looked down and they didn't have leprosy anymore. The Bible doesn't tell us all the emotions they had. The Bible didn't tell us all that they did or went through. But can you imagine, in an instant, their life was radically changed. They were no longer a leper. They were no longer unclean. They could now go back home. They could now be with their family. They could now be a part of the community. Everything changed. Everything changed. Boy, I mean, you know there there had to be a lot.
going on with those ten lepers. We'll read on. It says, and as it was, as they went, they were cleansed. Now get this. And one of them, there were ten, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God. Now Jesus is getting to the heart of this miracle. He, he worked miracles because he loved people. He heals people because he loves people. But there was also a message and a meaning in every miracle. And it says here, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorifying God, fell down on his face at his feet. You know, I guess he, he knew where, they evidently hadn't traveled too far. He knew where Jesus was. Man, he saw he was healed. Man, he turned around. I guarantee you he didn't walk. I guarantee you he ran. And just as soon as he saw Jesus, he began to cry with a loud voice. I'm clean. I'm healed. Up until now, he'd said, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. And now with the miraculous touch of the Son of God, he was saying, I'm, I'm clean. I'm healed. With a loud voice, he began to glorify God. And as that weren't enough, when he got to Jesus, he fell at his feet. Can you imagine? He fell down at verse 16. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And then, by the way, just Jesus, uh, the, Luke says, by the way, he wasn't even a Jew. Quote, he wasn't one of the chosen ones as far as the Jews being the people of God. He was a Samaritan. He was a half-breed, part Gentile, part Jew. One why Luke said, I guess the most amazing thing, probably the other nine were Jews. They didn't come back. And here's a man that not only had suffered rejection because of being a Samaritan, I mean, being a leper, but he had been rejected because he was a half-breed. He comes back, shouts, gives glory to God with his lips, and falls on his face and thanks him. And then look at verse 17. Jesus says some profound words. Jesus said, well, where are, were there not ten lepers cleansed? Here's this guy at the feet of Jesus, probably crying, praising him. And Jesus said, you know, there were 10 lepers that I cleansed. There were 10 lepers that I made whole. Well, where are the other nine? Now, now Jesus hardly ever asked a question. How is he, how, why would he who knows all the, has all the answers and is the answer would ever ask a question? I believe he asked it in amazement. He said, are you telling me that out of 10 lepers whose lives were radically changed, whose bodies were made perfectly whole, there's only one of them that has come back to give glory to God? He said, let me ask you something. Where are the other nine at? 
they? I, I, I want to ask that question too. Where are they? You say, well, Brother Fred, I, I guess they got so excited about their healing, they wanted to go tell their, husband, their wife or they wanted to go tell their children. Or, Hey, wait a minute. That, that doesn't sound very realistic to me. He said, well, where are the nine? Were there not, was there not found any who was returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Now, if I studied this, I'm going to tell you what the Lord, he said, I don't want you to concentrate on the nine. You just forget about them. I want you to think about the one. So we we could just talk about the nine, how unthankful they were, how ungrateful they were, how they didn't go back. We we could talk about them, but no, that's not where I want to go. I want to talk about the one who went back and gave glory to God for what God had done for him. And as I've I've meditated on this and thought on this, I've got two questions. And and, um, they both are personal questions to you. They apply very personally to your life. And here is uh, the question I'm going to ask you. Will you be the one? Will you be the one that returns and gives glory to God and falls on your face and thanks him? Will you be the one? See, that takes it out of, well, well, those nine, they were really sorry. Where was their gratitude? Then it takes it home to us and God says, Fred, I want to ask you a question. Will you be the one that returns to give glory to God? You know, um, he went back to give glory to God and to thank him for the great blessing that God had given him. The blessing of healing him from leprosy and giving him a new life. A new life. Well, Let's just think about what we've got to return to Jesus for, to thank him for. You say, well, Brother Fred, I didn't get healed of leprosy. Are you listening to me? You got healed of something worse than leprosy. It's called sin. It's called wickedness. It's called living for yourself. It's called going your own way. You see, when you encountered Jesus Christ, he got rid of something worse than leprosy in your life. He got rid of that leprosy of sin that you had to say before God, God, I am unclean. I am unclean. But when Jesus Christ saved you and forgave you, no longer were you unclean, but you had been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Well, so... Will you be the one who returns to Jesus or returns to God and thanks him for all the spiritual blessings that you have in Jesus Christ? Now, we live in a spiritual world and we live in a material world. The material world we can see, it's not hard for me 
when three-fourths of the world goes to bed hungry every night, spends most of their time looking for food, it's not hard for me to realize I'm blessed when I sit down to the table and eat. It's not hard for me to know that I am blessed when I live in an air-conditioned house. It's not hard for me to know I'm blessed when, when you have a job and when you have friends and, and you live in, in, a, in a nation that, is, that has been great, more greatly blessed than probably any other nation on earth. Hey, it's no big deal to realize you've been materially blessed. I mean, you, you, you've got to be worse than those nine lepers to not realize you've been materially blessed. And most of the time, when we thank God, when we return to give glory to God and thank him, we say, well, Lord, I just want to thank you for my food. I want to thank you for my clothes. I want to thank you for my car. I want to thank you for my house. I want to thank you for my family. That's wonderful. Don't you be ungrateful. Everything you have is a gift from God. I'm not minimizing you thanking God for the material blessings. But I'm going to tell you something. They pale into insignificance compared to the spiritual blessings that God has given you in Jesus Christ. Oh, you talk about returning to give glory to God and to give thanks to Jesus for the spiritual blessings that he has given us. You know what Ephesians 1.3 says? It says in the word of God in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, you need to look up that word every in the dictionary. You know what it means? Every. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with some spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Or a few, no, 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 no. Everything you need, everything you need to be saved, everything you need to live saved, everything you need for your life to give glory to God, God has already provided. You are spirit. He had given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And the way we appropriate those blessings is by repentance of our sin and faith and Christ alone. Hey, listen, the greatest blessings I have in my life are what Jesus Christ has done for me. And I want you to understand, the greatest thing you have in your life is what Jesus Christ has done for you. Oh, you may not realize it, but it's far greater. It's the only thing that's eternal. And so I just said, well, (laughs) will you be the one? I said, I'll tell you what. I'm going to return to God. I'm going to return to Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. And let's just thank him. Let's fall on our faces and give him glory for the spiritual blessings we have this morning as we gather in this place. You know, the only way I know to describe the spiritual blessings that we have is to call it the great salvation. Now, we use that word great loosely, great. Boy, he's great. That was a great so-and-so. Great, great, great. We use that word loosely, but I, I want to I put an emphatic underlining of this word great. Let's just go back, return to Jesus, fall at his feet, and thank him for our great salvation. And I'm telling you all, 
It is great. Look at Hebrews chapter. You don't have to turn. It'll be on the screen. Hebrews 2, 1 and through. 1 through 3. Now listen to this. I mean, the Hebrew writer called, man, he said, it's great. It's great. Look at verse 1. Therefore, we ought to really pay attention. That's what it says. Therefore, we ought to really pay attention to the things which we have heard, lest they drift away. You know what he said? You better listen to what God has said to you, lest it just goes in one ear and out the other. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard, lest they drift away. And then he goes on and says, now, what God said, I'm telling you, it's been validated. For if the word spoken through angels, hey, God gave us the good news through angels. If the word spoken through the angels was steadfast, listen to this. And every transgression, every sin, and every disobedience is going to be judged. And every sin and transgression received a just recompense of reward. Now listen to this. How shall we escape? If we neglect the great salvation, if we do not take action on what God has said and the angels have said, how are we going to escape the judgment of God? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Hey, it didn't say, how shall we escape if we neglect the Bible and we don't need to do that? How shall we escape if we neglect going to church and we need to do that? It didn't say, how shall we escape if we neglect being good to others? It didn't, uh, that's good, but it didn't say that. You know what he said? Let me tell you, how, 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 how will we escape the judgment of God if we neglect so great salvation? He, man, he said it's great. The salvation of God is great. Now listen, why is it we can get excited about everything but about the great salvation we have in Jesus. Well, I've heard it so many times. Don't ever quit listening to it. And don't ever get tired of it. And don't ever stop praising God for it. Because my only hope for now and eternity is the great salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. I'm afraid sometimes we get so used to hearing the wonderful news that it won't, we don't realize how wonderful it is. I said, Lord... I want everybody here this morning to be the one who will return and with a loud voice glorify God and fall on their face at the feet of Jesus and give him glory and thanks for the great salvation. Let, let me mention a couple of reasons. You know, I could take all day and talk about what makes the salvation great. I'm just going to mention three or four things. All right, let, let me tell you why this salvation is so great. And why we need return personally and give glory to God. One, because it reveals the great, the gift of God's great love to us. The gift of God's great love. Let me make that personal for you. You know what it says in 1 John 4, 9 and 10? It says, that's 1 John 4, 9 and 10. He's got John 4. I can just tell you what. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his only begotten son to be the propitiation for our sins. He said, you want to know what God love is? It's not that we loved God, but it's that God loved us. That's love. And he gave his son to me the sacrifice for our sin. You know, the salvation is great because it, it, it reveals God's great gift of love to you and me. You know what verse John 3, 1 says, 1 John 3, 1 says, Beloved, what manner of love, listen to this now, the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. John, in that little epistle, said, Do you realize what great love God's bestowed on us? That we're his children. And he goes on and says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. Listen, man, we need to return and say, Lord Jesus, this great salvation, this spiritual blessing, I want to thank you for the greatness of your love. Man, in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, well, there is a great, great verse there. I want you to listen to these. It says in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, it's on the screen, look at it. But God, who is rich in mercy, are you glad this morning God's rich in mercy? Hallelujah, he's not running out, thank God. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love. What kind of love? Say it. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Man, I want to be that one like that leper that returned to Jesus and gave him glory and fell at his feet and said, Lord, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the great love, the great love with which you loved me in that great salvation. Here's the second thing about this great salvation, that we need to just fall on, the, on our face at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, thank you for the great love that you have for me. Lord, I want to thank you for the price you paid for me to be saved. Lord, I just want to thank you for the great price you paid. You know, let me tell you what great price that was. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 4, Hebrews 9, 12 through 14, it's on the screen, look at it. What did it cost for Jesus to save you? What did it cost for your leprosy to be gone? What did it cost for you to be forgiven? For you to have a new nature and to be a child of God? What did it cost for you no longer to be dead in your trespasses and sins, separated from God, without God and without hope in this world? Now, I want to ask you a question. What did it cost for you and I to be saved, to get rid of the leprosy of sin in our life? What did it cost? Well, there it is. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Jesus, having died on the cross, risen from the dead, now goes into the holy of holies in heaven, and he offered up his own precious blood 
so that we could be forgiven, we could be cleansed, we could be whole, and our leprosy could be gone. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the holy of holies in heaven to obtain eternal redemption for us. And listen to the next verse. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the pure prying of the flesh, how much more, now get this, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who offered himself without spot to, through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse you from dead works to serve the living God. I want to tell you one thing. I want to be the one and you want to be the one that returns to the Lord Jesus and falls at his, on our face at his feet and say, Jesus, thank you for the great love with which you loved me. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you paid the ultimate price when you died on the cross and you shed your blood so that I could be forgiven. I will forever praise you, Jesus, because of the price you paid for me to be forgiven. Glory to God. There's another aspect of this spiritual blessings, not only the great love with which God loved us, not only the great price that Jesus paid for our salvation, but I want you to listen to this. For the great freedom that is ours in Christ, the great freedom that is ours in Christ through our salvation. You see, the lepers were not free. They were bound by the laws of leprosy. And their life was a very narrow life. But you know something? When Jesus healed them, <laughs> he set them free. You know, you know this great salvation, it frees us from the penalty of sin. You know what the wages of sin is? Anybody know what the wages of sin is? The wages of sin is what? Death. Spiritual death and eternal death. Romans 6, 23. Do you realize that Jesus set us free from that? Boy, I love that passage in Romans 5, uh, 8 through 10, uh, where Jesus talked about this. Look at, look at, look at those, that verse. God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And look at the next verse. Much more having been justified by his blood. Now, don't miss the last part of this verse. Much more having been declared just by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. In other words, Jesus Christ saves you from the wages of sin, which is death which is the wrath of Almighty God. And that is a great spiritual blessing. Freedom from the penalty of sin. Freedom from the power of sin. You see, when you, when you come, listen, those lepers were living under the power of leprosy. No matter what they said or did, they were lepers. And they couldn't get rid of it by anything they did themselves. But by the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ, he set them free from that leprosy and they were free to live the life that God wanted them to live. Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ saves you, he not only forgives you of your sin and pays the penalty and says you don't have to have the wrath of God on you, I'll tell you what he does. He saves you from the power of sin. You don't have to be ruled by sin any longer. Look at Romans chapter 5, I believe it is. 
where he talks about saves us from the power of sin. Romans 6, verses 6 through 8. Look at it. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, our old nature in Adam, was crucified with him, that the body of sin, this body of sin that ruled us, this leprosy that ruled us, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be the slaves of sin. Listen, when you got saved, Jesus set you free from the worst taskmaster you ever had. It was the mastery of sin. And you no longer in Jesus have to be a slave of sin. And all of God's people said, amen. Free from leprosy. Free from the power of sin to rule in your life. You don't have to sin. He set us free from the power of sin. But I'm going to have to move quickly because I want to just say one other thing. And then I want to make it very personal. This great salvation, the great love with which God loved us. The awesome price Jesus paid for us to be saved and to be forgiven. And the freedom that Jesus brings into our life. If the Son of God sets you free, you're free indeed. Freedom from sin's penalty. Freedom from sin's power. But you know, the greatest blessing of all of this great salvation is the presence of Jesus in our life. You know, those lepers were physically healed and physically different. And in a real way, they were just had a new life and were new people. But let me tell you the greatest thing about salvation is that Jesus Christ comes to live his life in you. You say, Brother Fred, now I, I, I need you to clear up something for me. Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of the Father in a place of power, in the place of power and authority. If heaven would open and we could see, we'd see Jesus seated at the Father's right hand with all authority in heaven and on earth. But at the same time, the Bible says that Christ lives in us. How can that be? Oh, in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this verse. Jesus comes to live in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. Look at Romans 8, 8 and 9, and it'll be on your screen. Well, he's got, uh, go back to Romans 8, 8 and 9 if you got it. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. All right, look at verse 9. Now, now th- listen, this is how Christ lives in you. But you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, and if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of God dwells in you. If any man have not the Spirit of of Christ, he's none of his. So this morning, I'm standing up here, and Jesus Christ is living in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and Christ is living in me. Now, if you're saved, the great salvation that you are so grateful for, I trust, is the fact that Jesus has come to live in you in the person of the Holy Spirit, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that there's the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, and kindness. Hey, the blessing of this salvation is that Christ 
lives in you and me in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Christian life is not you living the Christian life. It's Christ living his life through you. Somebody said, Brother Fred, is the Christian life difficult? I said, no, it's impossible. The only person who ever lived the Christian life is Jesus. The only person who can live the Christian life now is Jesus. And it is Christ in you by the Holy Spirit that is the very life of Christ that comes through you. Galatians 2.20 is not just a pretty little verse. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ, what? Lives in where? Me. You believe that? When you leave here today, if you're a child of God, that Jesus is living in you, well, the great blessing is, 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 um, is the presence of Christ in our life. Now, I want to close with this. It's, it's, it's absolutely blew me away. I've asked you, will you be the one that goes back, glorifies God, falling at the feet of Jesus, giving thanks for all of your spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ and that you will be the one who praises and glorifies him for your great salvation. But then I want to ask you this. Will you do it privately in your daily life and will you do it corporately in the body of Christ? You see, we can, we, 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 you know, Thanksgiving is a good thing and it reminds people to be thankful. But Thanksgiving is not one day a year, right? Thanksgiving is 24-7, 365 days a year. I want to ask you something. Will you be the one who daily gets in the presence of Jesus and say, Jesus, <laughs> I, I don't know where the other nine are but I know where I am. And Jesus, I've just come this morning or this afternoon or not. I've just come to tell you, I want to thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for coming to live in me. Thanking you for making me clean. Thank you for making me whole. Jesus, I, I just want to thank you that I don't have to live today in my own power, that you live in me, and all you are, you are in me. Jesus, Jesus, I just want you to know, I don't know about the nine, but I want to be the one who today, I mean today, just falls on my face before you spiritually and says, I want to glorify you, Jesus. I want to glorify you, Father. With a loud voice, I give you glory, O God. I give you glory, Jesus, my Lord. Thank you. Will you be the one? Don't, don't have Jesus ask the question, well, where's Bill today? Or where's Joe today? Or where's Sue today? Where are the nine? Don't, don't no, no. I, I don't want Jesus asking in amazement about you. Well, did I not transform him or her? And set them free? Well, where are they? No, you be the one who every day gets in the presence of Jesus 
and blesses him and thanks him and forever praises him for what he's done for you. But boy, this really, this really got a hold of me. When I was thinking about all this, and uh, I have a, 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 a chair in my den. You say, well, that's nice to have a chair in your den. But uh, it's called a lazy boy. And, and I don't like that word because Leonard Ravenhill made fun of people who sat in lazy boys. But anyway, that's where I bought it from, lazy boy. It's not a lazy boy, but it's a chair. Well, it is one, but it's not one. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> now, I, this happened. Whew. I said, Lord, you know why I go to church? Hmm. I want to get with some other people. I want to get with some of the nine that didn't show up. I want to get with some other people. And you know what I want to do in church? Lord, I just want to sing and praise you. I just want to lift my voice with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Give it. Giving glory to God. And Lord, I, I tell you, I just want to go to the house of God. And, and I just started weeping. I, I raised both of my hands. And I said, God, I want to be the one who goes to God's house and meets with God's people and worships you and praises you and thanks you, and glorifies you, and encounters you, and then leaves that place of worship to go out and to live for you. God, I don't want you to look at the congregation at Luke 4.18 and say, where are the other nine? Where's Brother Fred? Where are the nine? Do you ever wonder if God some Sunday mornings looks down on this place. It says, well, where are the rest of them, Father? Is this all? What, what, didn't I cleanse ten? Are these the only ones who come back to thank me and praise me? You know, going to church never saved anybody. But I'm going to tell you something. Getting together with God's people to worship God in spirit and in truth and joining your hearts to worship and sing thanksgiving to him with our hearts, to sing to him, to talk to him, to listen to him, to surrender to him, to give him glory and praise. I am telling you, I think fathers sometimes look at Luke 4.18, it says, I don't know where the other nine are, but I'm thankful he's here. Well, I'm glad you came back to give glory to God. I'm glad it was important enough to you to come to God's house and just say, Lord, I want you to know I owe you my very life. I'd be a lost leper if it wasn't for you. You know, it just gave me a new appreciation not only that privately I can give glory to God, but 
that with you, we can give glory to God. And the next time you just feel, well, I don't know if I want to go to church or not. I don't know. Just think about this. <laughs> when the Lord looks down, he says, well, I wonder where she is. I wonder where he is. Were there not 10 that I saved? Were there not 10 that I made whole? I don't want to be missing in action. I don't want to be MIA. I want, to, I want to be, I want you, I want you to be the one who returns every day to give glory and praise to Jesus. But I want you to be the one who gathers with the people of God to give glory and praise to God. So God won't have to ask the question, where are the other nine?